do you think, Sergeant Burns? Yeah, that's right. We want an ambulance up here at the station house. What's that? Oh, yeah, an injured prisoner. Well, who gave it to you? C.B.? We got no you name in the room at the 21st Precinct. Well, how's the nerve center? A call is coming well, through. You will follow the action taken pursuant to that call from this minute until the final report is written in the 124 room at the 21st Precinct. Well, he'll have to go to Bellevue. He's a prisoner. Okay. Yeah. We'll be looking for them. 21st Precinct. It's just lines on a map of the city of New York. Most of the 173,000 people wedged into the nine-tenths of the square mile between Fifth Avenue and the East River wouldn't know if you asked them that they lived or worked in the 21st. Whether they know it or not, the security of their homes, their persons, and their property is the job of the men of the 21st Precinct. The 21st, 160 patrolmen, 11 sergeants, and four lieutenants of whom I'm the boss. My name is Kennelly, Frank Kennelly. I'm captain in command of the 21st. I was working my night tour, 4 p.m. to 8 a.m. The weather was cold and still. After a brief flurry of activity between 8 and 10 p.m., including a two-alarm fire on 2nd Avenue, a bad auto accident on the East River Drive, and the attempted robbery of a delicatessen on 86th Street, things quieted down. I turned out the platoon for the 12 to 8 at midnight and went on patrol of the precinct. Things were still quiet. At 1.35 a.m., Lieutenant Patrick Gorman was on duty as desk officer at the station house, and Sergeant Fred Burns sat at the telephone switchboard. The stillness was broken occasionally by the hum of the switchboard or a call over the monitor of KEA, the police radio. Will you send a car to 194 East 68th? 
A woman rang in on the call box and said there was a prowler in her apartment. She's waiting on the street at the call box. Okay, right away. One burglar? How many does she need? Car 681, car. Car 681, it's 70th and 2nd Avenue. Center 19468, St. Louis, and Clarence, and we'll drop her car in her apartment, okay? 10-4. Better ring upstairs with the detective sergeant and give it to them, too. Yes, sir. But they'll hate me for it. As soon as the call was received by sector car number three, patrolman Paul Vaccaro, operator, and patrolman William Coley, recorder, they started on the three-block run to 194 East 68th Street. Following instructions in the manual of procedure, they did not sound the siren in order to approach the scene quietly and apprehend the criminal, if any. I don't see it, Coley. Maybe she's standing around the corner. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, there she is. Call the police? Yes, that was me. You see the one? Yeah. Which building is it? That one across the street. How do you know it was a burglar? Well, I, I had this date and I, I came home. I, I went upstairs and opened the door and he was in the apartment. Uh-huh. Didn't he jump when you opened the door? I don't think he heard me open the door. Did you see anyone come out of the building? No, not at all. The street door locked? Yes. Give me your key, miss. Oh, yes. Uh, here. Which apartment is it? 2A, the second floor right at the top of the stairs. Mm-hmm. Does this key fit the door upstairs, too? Yes. Oh, uh, you better wait down here in the hall, huh? All right. Right here. Okay, Cody? Yeah, let's go. Get set. She may be right. I'm set. Hey, the door's standing open. Yeah. Yeah, she must have left it that way.
I was in my own house. You're living in a dream world, Pop. You should stick to bay rum. That scotch is poison. Go on, up the stairs. I live there? Upstairs. Go ahead. Do. Well, you live here now. Get going, will you? I bought the furniture. I paid the rent. And the telephone and the lights for everything? Yeah, for everything except the scotch. Scotch, too? The scotch, too? Upstairs. Scotch, too? Will you pop scotch in the rye and gin? What? No beer? There, too. Are you living, Pop? Come on, Pop. You can do better than that. Go ahead. Just right to that door. Detective. Johnny First Squad. Detective. Is that where I'm going? You're there. Inside. Go on. 21st Squad Detective Kenny. Over there, sit down. Oh, yeah. Better call. 
He doesn't look so good to me. An ambulance was called and the prisoner was removed to Bellevue Hospital for treatment of a head injury and acute alcoholism. According to Article 24 of the Manual of Procedure, in any unusual occurrence concerning a prisoner, including such an injury, it is contingent upon the commanding officer of the precinct to make a complete and thorough investigation. In response to a radio call, I returned to the station house from the 23rd precinct where I was making an inspection as senior officer on night duty in the division. By the time I finished my interview with Detective Kinney, Patrolman Coley had returned from Bellevue where he had accompanied the prisoner in the ambulance. I talked to him. The incident appeared unavoidable. I instructed the desk officer to check Bellevue every hour to inquire about the condition of the prisoner. It wasn't until 7.30 a.m. that the doctor said he would allow questioning. After I turned out the platoon for the 8-4 to four tour, I rode down to Bellevue with Lieutenant Matt King, commanding officer of the 21st Detective Squad. We drove into the hospital grounds at 26th Street and 1st Avenue and went by special elevator directly to the prison ward on the second floor of I Building. We identified ourselves to the Department of Correction guard, and he opened the steel door and admitted Lieutenant King and me to the ward. Thanks. This way. In there. Okay, thanks. Okay, he's been washed, fed, and he's a new man. Almost. Thank you. Pleasure. Well, how do you feel this morning? All right. Not bad. I'm Captain Kennelly. This is Lieutenant King. Yeah? You gave the name of George Jones at the station house last night. That's not your real name, is it? No. What is? Jetley. George Jetley. Where do you live? No place. No place in particular. Do you remember what occurred in the detective squad office upstairs? Uh, not too well. Do you remember how you got hurt? I remember I wanted my key. I wanted to get it. I fell, I think. I fell and hit myself. Where were the officers when you fell? They were right there. They tried to help me, but I fell anyway. I think that's what happened. I had a lot to drink. Why did you break into that woman's apartment last night? I didn't break into any place. Well, that's where you were found. No, I didn't break in. I used my key. Where'd you get the key? Well, it's mine. How'd you know it fit that particular door? I knew. How? Oh, I used to live there a long time ago. In that apartment? Yeah, right there. When? Oh, a long time ago. Before the war. Way before the war, 19... 
tired of my going off on tears every so often. Hitting the bottle all the time, staying away three or four days. Losing my job all the time. I had good jobs. Very good jobs. Doing what? I was an editor. Book editor. I was good. Publishers always used to say, George, you're a crackerjack. Just lay off the bottle, that's all. Just lay off. And my wife, she said the same thing. She couldn't want me around the boy like that, you know. She, she said next time it happens and I got like that, I didn't have to bother to come home. Well, then I was all right. I was all right for a long time. The first thing I realized, I was in Philadelphia in a hotel. She said if it ever happened again, don't come home, so I didn't. Didn't you come back to New York at all? No, she didn't want me. I didn't think there was any use, so I just started bumming around. All these years? Yeah, all these years. The only thing I kept was the key. You know, you get drunk and guys roll you for whatever you got in your pockets. They didn't steal my key, though. I, I got $2 and I bought a little silver chain. Wore it around my neck. All these years, I wore the key around my neck. When did you get back to New York? Oh, a couple of days ago, I don't know. Decided to come uptown and just walk by to see what the place looked like. Just walk by. But I didn't have the courage. I had a couple of dollars for some dishwashing I did, so I bought some wine just to get courage. I guess it gave me too much courage. I used my key and got into the downstairs door, and I went upstairs. I was going to open the door and walk in and say, here I am. She wasn't there. And then the whole place was different and not my furniture or anything. So I just found the whiskey and sat down and drank it. I, I didn't mean to do any harm. Well, you certainly did some harm. Yeah, I know. Would you tell the lady I'm sorry? I am sorry. You know I am. Yes, I guess I do. You want to find your family? No, why should I do that? Why should I break in on their lives now? I, I want to, yeah. Uh, they're probably happy. I'd only bring them trouble. That's all. Look, now, you, you do me a favor if you just leave me George Jones. Forget about George Jetley. George Jetley should be dead and buried. He not only should be, he is. After the interview was completed, Lieutenant King and I returned to the station house, where before I went off duty, I was obliged to prepare a 49 reporting the facts and circumstances involved in the injury of the prisoner. On the way uptown, Lieutenant King and I talked about the case. We agreed that the charge of burglary against George Jetley would not stand up in court. Burglary involves unlawful entry with intent to commit a felony. In this instance, the intent was lacking. From 42nd Street almost to the station house, we rode in silence. I don't know what Matt King was thinking about, but I had George Jetley on my mind. The dregs of humanity are being washed up constantly. It's not hard to be sympathetic when you think that it might happen to anyone, even yourself. Just before we arrived at the station house, we started talking again. We agreed that a conviction for unlawful entry, a misdemeanor carrying an indeterminate sentence, might be the best thing for Jetley. A term in jail with its attendant medical treatment might be a step toward rehabilitation, if rehabilitation was at all possible. 
As we walked up the stairs and into the muster room, I suggested to Lieutenant King that he request the missing persons bureau to make a discreet inquiry concerning the wife and son of the man. There was a good possibility they'd welcome a reunion. Well, I've got to get upstairs, Captain. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll see you, man. I'll let you know what missing person says about his family. All right. 21st Precinct, Sergeant Burns. Oh, hello, Captain. Sergeant. All right, 27. That uh, lady is waiting for you, Captain. Oh. Captain Tenorio, aren't you? Yes. You were up to my apartment last night when that man broke in. Yes, I was there, Miss Cameron. Well, I, I couldn't sleep last night thinking about him. It was my apartment. I, I don't think I care to prosecute him. Well, the detectives are working on it, Miss Cameron. You ought to talk to them. I just don't want to prosecute. I, I couldn't go through without sending him to jail. Well, don't you realize that a term in jail might be the best thing for him? I think jail be good for anyone. Well, it might be good for him. You think so? Yes. That's the trouble with policemen. They're the same old cure for everything. Not for everything, Miss Camden. The cure for him is pretty young. Only 22. And we're going to find it. <laughs> 21st Precinct, Sergeant Burns. No, Captain Canelli isn't here. Detective who at missing person? Yeah. Oh, yeah? Oh, you located Jetley's son, huh? Yes, all right, I'll tell the captain. Son's going to visit him at Bellevue this afternoon. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, the captain will be glad to hear that. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll get the message. And so it goes. Around the clock, through the week, every day, every year. A police precinct in the city of New York is a flesh-and-blood merry-go-round. Anyone can catch the brass ring. Or the brass ring can catch anyone. 21st Precinct. A factual account of the way the police work in the world's largest city is presented with the official cooperation of the Patrolman's Benevolent Association, an organization of more than 20,000 members of the Police Department, City of New York. Everett Sloan in the role of Captain Kennelly, Ken Lynch as Lieutenant King. Featured in tonight's cast were Gene Gillespie, Bill Smith, Santos Ortega, Wendell Holmes, Bill Quinn, Frank Moth, and John Sylvester. Written and directed by Stanley Niss. Produced for CBS Radio by John Ives. Art Hannah speaking.